This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. So what's going on with Barbie turning 60? Like, have they learned anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, what I find the most interesting right now as someone who is very much a champion of inclusivity, and I really feel strongly that every child deserves to see dolls that reflect themselves. You know, there's a long history where they've done psychological studies of what happens when you give children white dolls and you give them black dolls. And even the black children historically would prefer the white dolls. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was this internalized racism that they got from the broader culture. It wasn't their fault. It was, you know, the messaging is really insidious. And Mm -hmm. there's only so much parents can do to combat it. So given that, according to the U.S. Census, um, the population of children 10 and under is now actually minority white. There are fewer white children than there are in all the other categories they track of race and ethnicity combined. Mm-hmm. I think Mattel is realizing their audience is really at this point three to six because P.S. Disney Princess kind of stole uh, oh. six to nine. Oh, wow. So the age compression got even worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they have got to reflect the diversity of the parents. So I think... The biggest strides that I see as an observer and a critic is in the, the racial diversity they have now is so much better than it was in the 80s and the 90s. In the 80s and the 90s, they did what critics at that time called dye dipping, like dipping white Barbies in dye to change oh, the skin tone and the hair color. Mm-hmm. But there was no attention to gradations of mm-hmm. skin tone or different different hair textures. Mm-hmm. Or bone structures. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The face molds were like identical. Mm-hmm. Um, now they have so many more skin tones, hair styles, hair textures, hair colors. Mm-hmm. Um, the face molds, the eyes, like there's variations that we just haven't seen before. And mm-hmm. I think that is helping them win over parents who otherwise would have said no to Barbie. Yeah, it's interesting because, sorry to interrupt, uh, Barbara, a a colleague uh, tweeted to me, uh, I guess the the uh, w- one of the examples of the fashionista Barbara Barbie uh, Barbara <laughs> Barbie brand, and uh, you know, kind of a, a full figured Barbie, if you will. That's where really, I was going. Yeah. yeah so what's like, doing with the diet yeah. and the weight issue? You're talking about skin color and culture, but what about weight? Yeah. Started with Tony. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> well, they, they've made steps in the right direction on body type, but if you look really closely at what they've done, it's Still problematic. Okay. Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah. So, first of all, if you look at the quote-unquote curvy Barbies mm-hmm. next to a, a regular traditional Barbie or one of the tall Barbies, because they now have basically four models. There's the, the regular or traditional one. There's a tall, mm-hmm. there's a petite, and mm-hmm. there's curvy. Okay. Curvy looks, as, as Angie Valdivia said in my interview with her for an article I wrote for the Washington Post, she looks chunky, but not, not on her own. On her own... She actually looks normal. It's the contrast to the very, very, very thin Barbie that makes her look chunky. And the BBC, um, when Barbie released these lines, the Fashionista dolls back in, I think, 2016, Mm -hmm. um, they took their measurements and scaled them up, and they revealed that the, let's see, the curvy Barbies 
wind up only scaling up to five foot six in a size four. Oh, <gasps> interesting! Wow, yeah. And yet the opt- it's like it's almost like an optical illusion. They call it curvy, but that's so small. <laughs> you know, and, and now to be fair, traditional Barbie would scale to five foot nine and wear a size two. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the very, very, very old play sets, I believe, put her weight at something. Like, it came with a scale, a different one than the one with oh, the diet book. It came with a wow. scale for your Barbie. And I want to say it, it either weighed her in at, like, 110 or 120, which for someone who's 5'9", I mean, yeah, it would have been an unhealthy weight. Exactly, right? exactly. So, original Barbie, totally unhealthy. Curvy Barbie, kind of, you know on the small side, but healthy, but also still not attainable for most people. Mm. And yet, even children, I'm hearing reports that children look at that one and don't want it because they think she's fat, but she's the equivalent of a size four. Wow. Five wow. What six. does that say about the rest of us? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's complicated, you know? They're doing better, and, and how far can you get from the original mold of a Barbie mm-hmm. and still have it recognized right. as a Barbie? And Americas, I know you had some really interesting thoughts on how brands can evolve right. over time. Right, right. This notion of you know slowly changing as opposed to like overnight having this iconic sort of uh, imagery be unrecognizable, essentially. I mean, that's, what, that's what's the big fear, I think, of the, of the strategists. We say, we got to change little by little. Yeah, but you know what? You They've know. had 20... She's <laughs> Barbara's like, okay. How much time do they need? She, Barbara's know? like, it's time to eat. <laughs> yeah. It's time to be who you, you are know, and you, just they celebrate yourself this for crying and they out just loud. did a little yeah. bit of change. One yeah. pound a year, we already would have been 40 pounds heavier. <laughs> and on a 5'2", you know, right. that's fair enough. enough. That's fair. <laughs> Your that, size 10 now. That's very, that's fair enough. That's very fair. That's it. It's interesting though, right? Because there is a kind of, to your point, a, a tension of like, we need to reflect what's around us. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, we do have this kind of iconic uh, kind of brand and sort of imagery. And so do we completely give up on that? Do we say we're just going to be something different or do we phase it out slowly? I mean, these are the hard questions. You know, it is hard. And if you don't do it fast, there has been some research where like some like Eileen Fisher and some of those other brands tried to have more normal-looking people. And I think Naomi, one of our other student, our other ex-students, did some research that shows people look for aspira- you know, ins- inspiration or they aspire to be something mm-hmm. in an ad. And if the ad looks just like they look, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. why buy those clothes? They still, you know, it's not going to help. <laughs> so, right, right, right. You right. know, so there is this trade-off of looking to to cosmetic, looking to beauty, looking to fashion, to just change your life and be a little bit better. Right. Um, right. So there's the one right. issue you have is what's Barbie still? You know, the other issue is if I make it too much like me, I'm not really that interested in doing it. Possibly because I want to feel better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. I think yeah. it's I think it's super interesting though because talk a little bit about how you know you've talked to the the executives at Mattel and Barbie. Uh, Rebecca, how do they how do they work through and navigate this challenge? Well, I have not talked with them directly, but I have read a lot of the interviews mm. they've given, mm-hmm. and there are some great resources in publications like Adweek, you know, in, in business publications, um, and also just in mainstream media where people are so interested in how they're doing this. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think is interesting is that. Some of the Barbie executives have gone on record in these interviews saying what what you just said, Barbara. We waited too long. We mm. should have started this sooner. Mm. They recognize it. Um, and there's also a wonderful quote that I came across in, 
let's see, what was it? It was in the Telegraph um, back in 2016, just when they were releasing the new shaped dolls with the fashionista lines, mm-hmm. where their vice president of design actually said that in a few years, she was forecasting that the image of a blonde-haired, slim doll that comes to mind when you say Barbie mm-hmm. would no longer be what comes to mind because they were deliberately trying to diversify the doll. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I think that among some parents, that is the case. I think people who are in the toy aisle, picking items for their children, bringing their children to purchase toys, are now like, oh, wow, there are, there are, my, my daughter can choose a Barbie that looks like her. By the same token, though, I, I think that Barbie has such a role in society. Like, everyone knows the brand. It's one of those legacy brands that like, you basically can't not be aware of. Mm-hmm. People who aren't currently in the toy aisle and don't have kids playing with dolls still think of white, blonde, blue-eyed, mm-hmm. very, very thin Barbie mm-hmm. when they think of it. So it's, it's a little bit of a challenge. And, you know, there are adult collectors of dolls. They have entire lines of Barbies that are for adults to buy that are priced at like $50, and they're not meant for kids to go near. They're very mm-hmm. stylized. Some of them are modeled after um, TV characters. They re- they released one that I was like, oh, I should have gotten that one. Um, it was the the new Doctor Who that's played by a woman, mm. and I think that was priced at like fifty dollars. That was for Interesting. adults. Interesting, Interesting. right? Mm-hmm. But those they have they haven't changed the body proportions. Those are still the really really thin traditional Barbies, probably because for adult collectors, that's what they would associate. With. No prototype. Interesting. Although I remember the original Barbie was not blonde. She was black-haired. Really? Um, yeah, she had a ponytail and bangs, and huh. she had dark hair. And actually, I, re- I was blonde as a kid. I'm not bragging. I'm just wow. saying. <laughs> <laughs> but my best friend had black hair, and she loved Barbie because even at that age, the all the other dolls were blonde, and the original Barbie had dark hair. Mm. So they did that you know, differently at the time. So, subsequently, they uh, they obviously released a lot of blonde Barbies, but mm-hmm. the very first one had bangs, a ponytail, and a black and white bathing suit. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen that image, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the original one, mm-hmm. but, you mm-hmm. know, it's still, still to your point, uh, it's very the, interesting. Yeah, I think the times they are changing. Talk a little bit, we have a few minutes here, uh, Rebecca, talk a little bit about, you talk, discuss diversity of skin tone and body image. What about sexual orientation as Ooh, well? That's another kind of yeah. interesting, you know, to kind of address the LGBTQ um, yeah. community as, as Barbie. Yeah, so this is very interesting. Um, Mattel has a strategy underway on their Instagram account and probably elsewhere where they're trying to reach out to the inclusive values that are common among millennial parents. Mm. You know, millennials, marketers are aware that millennials can be very values-oriented in their shopping. They're looking for brands that reflect their ethics. And one thing that Mattel has been doing, it's very clever, on their Instagram, they have been posting inclusive imaging of Barbie. For example, um, images of two Barbies that are female, like holding hands with a hashtag love wins and wearing t-shirts that are promoting, you know, LGBT positive Mm -hmm. messages. Um, Mm -hmm. So what's happening is while they're not necessarily going to put on television ad for, you know, LGBT, LGBT Barbie or Barbie comes out, they're showing parents who are making the purchasing decisions that they as a brand are open to these other play options. Mm-hmm. And may, maybe maybe there would be, you know, 
um, kids who have two moms, and the moms would look at that and show them that and mm-hmm. show them that, look, these, these Barbies love each other just like we do. Mm-hmm. It, it's actually, it, it really is a nice thing. Of course, there's always the, mm-hmm. the sigh of, oh, you know, they're, they're just doing what they think is going to sell, but of course they're going to do what they think is going to sell. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right, but, but they're able to test these kinds of concepts out, I think. On uh, By the way, is Ken Instagram. still around? <laughs> <laughs> there's no need for Ken. <laughs> Ken, Ken has been given the, the, the walking papers, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Ken, as it were. He's uh, he's a barista, and he's like, you know, oh, my God. That's unbelievable. <laughs> flannel and Yeah. Yeah. So funny. But so they're trying to keep up with the times. And, you know, I think as a brand, they try to be fashion forward without being too trendy. Because if you're too trendy, I think the, the man bun, Ken, was too trendy. You get laughed at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It can't be too extreme. You got to be. We call that in my class the butterfly curve. But mm-hmm, I totally mm-hmm. agree. Well, Rebecca Haynes, thank you so much for coming on the show with us tonight. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And you can find out more about Rebecca at directory.salemstate.edu or at Twitter at RCH Haynes. So RC Haynes. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 